Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning and welcome to Off the Shelf for this Saturday. It is November the 11th. I hope you guys, well, first of all, before I go on, I want to say happy Veterans Day. So thank you to all of our veterans and their service, regardless of the branch of service that you served in. I hope uh, a lot of you got Friday off for Veterans Day or Monday off so you get to enjoy a long weekend. Uh, I didn't get that, but I want to again say happy Veterans Day to everyone. And welcome to Off the Shelf. I believe our guest just joined us. I want to welcome you guys to Off the Shelf this morning, November the 11th, 11-11-2017. We probably all used to daylight savings time and now getting ready for the holidays with Thanksgiving, and I'm seeing the Christmas stuff already out. They usually sometimes put it out after Thanksgiving, but I'm seeing it out already. And, yes, I want to tell you, you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show off the shelf. So congratulations to you for dialing in to a a radio show that's been around for 13 years and has brought you and other listeners phenomenal guests, whether they're business owners, we have people in the book world who've come on here. We've had some people who have been on some uh, major television series on Off the Shelf, and some you see on TV news shows every single day. So I want to thank you for joining us here at Off the Shelf. And there's still time for you to reach out and tell somebody who loves good entertainment and good books and literature to dial in to Off the Shelf or connect with in our chat room or iTunes. There's so many different ways to connect with Off the Shelf. The dial-in number for you to let somebody know they can. there's still time. We haven't even started with the questions with our guests yet. The dial-in is 347-994-3490. Again, that's 347-994-3490. And I want to give you this thought before we go into the show. And the thought is a quote from George Whitfield, and it's press forward, do not stop, do not linger in your journey, but strive for the mark set before you. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get ready to connect our guests, but before I do I wanna ask you, what do you value? Not just when it comes to uh entertainment and literature, books, novels you read, but also things that really take preeminence with you in life. Uh, as far as entertainment, are you somebody who likes mystery, like to figure things out? And some of us like to do that even at work, different places that we are. We like a bit of a mystery and try to figure it out. I wonder if that's one of the roots of people who, although this is wrong to do, but some people who are kind of nosy, do they have that mystery, that little, they like a mystery and they like to figure it out before it's revealed to the masses, if you like mystery and you also value relationships, which is what life is all about, not just a a romantic relationship, but relationships between parents and children and friends, and I mean a close bond between friends. There's a very close bond between these five guys and love pour over me who meet at a university in Pennsylvania, and also Raymond and Brenda and Raymond and his father, and you'll see how his Raymond's father, how he has helped shape Raymond 
and and create some challenges for him in his life with his friends and with uh, Brenda. But Love Poetry has a wonderful, marvelous ending. You read the book and you can see how your own relationships, whether they're with people you work with or in your own family, how they're actually influencing you when you might not even know it. So if you value mystery, because Raymond also finds himself involved in a murder mystery when he gets to the University in Pennsylvania. I think you will love Love Pour Over Me. Again, if you value relationships and also mystery, I encourage you to go out and get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. It's in print and ebook. And if you don't see it on the shelves, just ask the clerk to get order your copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney. So I hope you get a copy and let me know how you enjoy the book. And now we're going to go connect with our special guest, who I'm excited to introduce to you. She is more than a writer. She is more than a writer, and you'll find that out as we go through today's show. Just waiting. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. How are you? I'm blessed. I hear the energy in your voice. So good morning to you. I'm excited <laughs> to bring you to, to off the shelf. But first I want to introduce you to our listeners, and then we'll go into our our normal first few questions of letting our listeners get to know you better. But as I was telling you to our off-the-shelf listeners, especially our loyal listeners who've been with us for 13 years, and thank you for that, today's guest is more than a writer. She's she's done a lot of things. And our special guest this morning is Julia Rolston. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. She is a very beautiful woman. If you go over to her website, you will see the just the energy, the the brightness in her come out. She's also an author, a wife, a teacher, a motivational speaker, a minister, and a singer. And Julia is the author of several books as if that's not enough, including Frontline Worshipper. 21 Days to More Sales for Authors, and with my own two hands, Julia earned a Bachelor's of Arts in Accounting. She also has two Master's Degrees in Information Science and a Doctorate in Religious Education. She is busy. She has toured as a gospel singer, and one of her latest works of song is titled Begin Again, Begin Again, Begin Again, and that's something that some of us might that song, listening to it, might have a, a very a, a good message. Not quit, but begin again. And Julia and her husband are the founders of BK Rolston Publishing Company, through which they have published 77 titles. And I encourage you to visit Julia online at https, then the two forward slashes, net. J-U-L-I-A. R O Y S T O N dot N E T. And again, that's J U L I A R O Y S T O N dot net. We are absolutely honored to have this writer, singer, speaker, et cetera, et cetera, with us here on Off the Shelf this morning. So, welcome, 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 Julia. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. And congratulations on 13 years. I know people who can't do some things for 13 months, but 13 years, incredible, incredible, and congratulations to you and all of your listeners and all of your guests. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Julia. The first four, four, uh, four to five questions, 
I ask to all the guests. I started doing this after I was doing the show about a year. The guests wanted our listeners wanted to know a little bit more about the guests before we launch into the questions. So these first four to five questions I ask every single guest on the show just to give our listeners some backstory before we start diving in to the person's books and their other works. So before we go into the questions this morning, Julia, can you tell our off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Okay, so um, I was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, which is uh, Derby City, USA. It's uh, right on the Ohio River, so I live just right across the Ohio in Jeffersonville, Indiana now. But I was born and raised in Louisville. Um, My dad was a teacher and deacon, trustee, head of Christian education, uh, all of that good stuff in our church. My mother was uh, one of the women's ministry leaders as well as a Sunday school teacher and in my church. I have two younger sisters who we've all grew up in church together. And then, um, so it's just the three of us, so three girls of us. So we were kind of the suburban family. Um, My dad taught school, so we ate dinner by 4 o'clock every day because we were out of school by then. And so we didn't have, my dad didn't work at 9 to 5. He he worked at 8 to 3.45. So we were pretty much um, eating dinner, no animals. Uh, I, we traveled a lot. We enjoyed travel. My dad enjoyed travel. So I've always been on travel. Now, at night, after we ate dinner and sometimes took a nap, my dad had a janitor service. So uh, at the height of it, we had 50 employees. So that was a major family business. So it, my father's been deceased seven years now, so um, it is, is no longer in existence. But we spent a lot of time cleaning buildings, cleaning houses in the summertime. So we were a busy entrepreneurial family. So I'm busy because I was raised that way. I was raised to be busy. I wasn't raised to hang, you know, just do a lot of hanging out. I did have friends, but, you know, playing and all of that, just hanging out, except when I was little. It didn't happen. My parents started the business when I was nine, and I started answering their phones. Skybar Louisville, can I help you? At nine years old, so business wow. has always been a part of my life. Entrepreneurship it was—it's in my blood, I, I, you know. And having multiple jobs and multiple careers, multiple streams of income. My dad's mantra was: always have something that you can charge. Never get something that you cannot be generating income with at all times. So I was brought up with that. I was raised for that. So everybody's not built for that. You can learn it, but everyone is not, you know, raised in that environment where all hands were on deck. My sister started helping us clean at two years old. So, you know, everybody was involved in that. Yeah, it was no play, uh, you know, not a lot of playtime. Now, we worked hard, and my parents rewarded us with vacations and all of that good stuff, but we we worked hard. We, We did a lot of work. Wow, you know what? And I grew, I grew up hearing that too. The the work hard, the work hard. It's amazing, you know. The scriptures say, "Raise up a child." And that's good and bad. It's almost like the it's hard to completely cut loose of your childhood programming. Often I'll hear people they'll want to do something and they'll say, "I don't have enough time." But the busiest people in the world always find time. To do what, <laughs> and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing 
when you so you were working with your family, the the janitorial service, started answering the phone at nine years old. But as far as your dreams, what did you dream of becoming when you were a child? Not that. Um, not, um, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't. Where I am now is definitely not what I dreamed of. Now, when I was about eight years old, um, I always dreamed of travel. Definitely is a huge part of it. Um, I dreamed that, you know, you know how kids have this imaginary world? Well, basically, I had that imaginary world. I thought it was imaginary. It's not now. But, um, and, and, you know, when you get a teenager and all that, you become more practical. What I say, definitely more practical. That's the reason why I have a degree in accounting. But my real passion is, is teaching, writing, travel, all of that. So when I was eight years old, I imagined a world where I did that. I had, in my imaginary world at eight years old, I had corporate sponsors. I had a bus. I I traveled with a choir because singing is really my first love and all of that. And I'm not too far off. I just need some more corporate sponsors, and I need my own bus. And, uh, you know, but I really dreamed of doing that, moving from city to city. So I'm really kind of fulfilling my dream right now. I'm doing it. You know, I'm living it. Um, you know, the travel and things of that nature that I'm doing now, I'm living that dream. I'm doing that wow, dream right now. So, And you know what? C- congratulations to you to go. And I'm, I'm sure seeing your parents uh, manage their own business gave you the confidence that you could, you could do it. And then your father t- putting that financial aspect in it. So I want to ask you, off the shelf, we, we focus on books here, and I know that singing is your, and not that all of our guests have book writing been their um, number one passion. Some people just use it as a way to grow their business or to get a message sure. out. But what what made you, what happened, singing is your first passion, you said, what happened to make you uh, uh, see that, oh, you know, I want to sit down and write a book and get involved in the book industry? Oh, my gosh. Well, it it definitely, I didn't sit down really with the intent of that. I was married initially in 1986, and I got divorced and while in graduate school in 1994. And I just started picking up a pen, pen and notebook and started writing. I had no intention of writing a book. It was just a way for healing, journaling and healing, period. So it, it, I did not think it was anything in there until 2007, I believe it was, because I got remarried in 2006. So in 2007, God said, it's time to put the book together. I'm like, what book? He said that all those notebooks, <laughs> reams of notebooks you've been working on, that's a book in there. And I was like, Lord, no, uh, that's not a book in there. He said, yes, it is. So he said, type them up and put the book together and publish it. Well, I went with one of the uh, other press companies, had no intention of doing anything but obeying God for the first book. And then a friend of mine who I was going to kind of partner with, she said, well, wait a minute. Have you? Do you think there, you have more than one book in you? I'm like, I don't know. I did this one. I don't know. And she said, you need to establish your own company. I said, my own company? She said, yeah, just, a, you know, you're independent. You're, uh, you know, controlling Julia. So you need to have your own business for your uh, your own company, for your own books and your own titles. That was all of my intent. I had no intention of doing anything else. So, you know, one thing led to another, and I said yes to God for the first thing. And then secondly, 
Uh, my girlfriend said, yeah, you need your own company. I established that under uh, my personal interest, and I was like, okay, good. This will cover my business, and it will cover my books, and I'm good to go. Third book later, 2009, I believe it was, the first author came to me and said, or 2008, I believe, came to me and said, I want to pay you to publish my book. Wow. And I said, you don't want me to show you how? And she said, no, I'm going to pay you money. I don't want to know how. I want to pay you to do what you've done for yourself. And that's where it was started. So it'll be 2018. It'll be uh uh-huh, 10 years later, 75-plus authors and, you know, 100 and some books later because I need to update my bio as a parent. But, <laughs> but it is, you know, that's what happens. And she told two friends and, you know, I had to get a price on it. I had to take it seriously and understand that it, this was a business and, but I couldn't continue to say no. It's not that other people hadn't asked. They just, I think they wanted me to do it for free. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. But yeah. <laughs> after this person said, uh, you know, I want to pay you money. No, I don't want to know how. I just want you to charge me. My dad had said, have something you can charge. I came up with an amount, and the rest is history. So, you know, it, it's just that's the way it's been and the way it's been going, you know, for now up until the present moment. So that's kind of, you know, the game, I really say the game really kind of came to me, but sometimes God has plans and you don't have a clue what those plans are. And so you have to be ready to say yes or no or take it seriously and and walk in the destiny he has, even if you don't fully know the full plan. And that's not so easy. Especially, that's not always easy. So I commend you, especially... If you've obeyed and it didn't turn out right, you don't you don't know exactly why or that that it's not always easy. It, it's it's easier if everything you do turns out perfectly, but if it doesn't, then it's then it's harder. And I think about Abraham, who what it seventeen to twenty one years to have his right. first child. How many how many right. times did he say, okay, I did what you said and it didn't turn right. out right? All and right. so you. That's when it gets a little tough <laughs> to keep Well, I mean, you know, and believe David, you me, these we can talk about David right. as well, where it's like, exactly. I did just what you said, and this turned out really foul. <laughs> yes. But then, of yeah, course, but- we don't always know what the full plan of that is. It just, the, the biggest frustration is the time that it takes. It doesn't take. It, it doesn't turn out like we wanted to turn out, and it definitely didn't turn out like um, Abraham wanted it to turn out, or you know, a lot of people wanted it to turn out. But you know, it said all things work together for good. It didn't say all things felt good, looked good, and necessarily were good. They're just all going to work for the good. The good, the bad, and the ugly are going to work for our good. So we have to trust him enough that if he said it. He's going to provide the provision for it because there are a lot of times I get frustrated in the um, this business period, not just uh, publishing and authors and writing, but frustrated. And I'm like, God, you told me to do this, so I have to put it back to him that if you told me to do it, you're going to be determining the uh, um, way that it's going to be provided, the platform that it's going to be seen on, and the level it's going to be, you know, uh, where it's going to actually go. You know that because you told me to do it. So 
Yeah, that's hard, too, when it doesn't turn out like you think or like other people because they'll laugh at you and they'll make fun of you, who you think you are and, you know, whatever. But you have to go back to the one who gave you the idea and say, all right, lead me, guide me, direct me, and tell me. You know, that that is usually <laughs> my solution you, to it. Yes, and I commend <laughs> you, Julia, for, 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 for doing that. Uh, and then it does it does it does pay off, but that's a point um I always like to bring up so people don't get discouraged by thinking well i I got this message like Abraham David Martin Luther King Jr. We could go on and on Harriet Tubman. It don't mean it's gonna be easy it doesn't no, mean no, no. it's gonna be easy so um, and then that's why a lot of us quit. That when you say you'll begin again, your song, that's why a lot of us don't begin again. We think what well, a failure is coming again. Abraham could have said that seventeen years, Lord, how long is it going to take you? Or Daniel when he said, how much longer? So you you right. you just gotta stay in there. And sometimes the begin again. Now you appeared on Bobby Jones presents New Artist Showcase. Uh huh. As we, what was it like working with Bobby Jones? Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, well, I, I I guess I turned into a groupie more than anything else. Like, ah! He was very nice. He's very cordial. He's, you know, very professional, very uh, a nice, very, very nice person. And um, he's really encouraging. And believe you me, if someone doesn't, you know, really do correctly, because these are new artists, he uses every moment as a teachable moment. He uses every opportunity as a teachable moment. So when I did it the first time, um, my track played and everything was fine, but he took opportunity to pause, and I'm like, come on, I'm ready to go. But no, he took an opportunity to pause and talk about the way I was dressed. He talked about, you know, how I looked and my attire from head to toe and, you know, how I was dressed, and I was like, okay, thank you. I'm just trying to sing my song and get off the stage. <laughs> but it was a teachable <laughs> moment, and he really used the opportunity to really tell to other people, um, you know, how you really should do and, and really give you insights into the industry. One gentleman gave the wrong track number, so he had to go through three or four track numbers before he got the right track. He said, no, I think it's seven. No, I think it's three. He said, you're not prepared, son. You know, you're not ready, you know, whatever. And so he really talked about that. So he's an educator to his soul, and um, he uses every every opportunity to be a teachable moment to help people improve. I mean, that for that gentleman, it was embarrassing, but it made sure the rest of us were ready and prepared. And, you know, everything was done as it should have. So it was great working with him. He's wonderful. That you know, that's good to hear that he gave out that free advice, which could have took years of hit and miss to learn. So that's that's kudos to Bobby Jones for doing that. Can you share with us before we go into talking about your book series uh, a few highlights of touring Switzerland as part of the Voices of Gospel concert series? And before we even go, you go there. You started at nine years old answering the phone for your family's janitorial service. How in the world did you get from that to appearing on Bobby Jones to touring uh, globally? (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things about me, I'm an extrovert by by nature. So, you know, I I can first off say, first off, God has been guiding me. He really has, because some of the places where I've been and where I've landed, I never in my wildest dreams 
you know, I would have hoped it and dreamed it, but, you know, down in you, you think it's a fantasy, and you think it really can't happen. But, you know, God has a way of maneuvering you to the places where you need to be, and sometimes that's a very painful process of leaving your comfort zone and leaving people that you've known all your life to be able to get into these different situations and setting. It requires you to say yes. It requires you to um, be prepared, and it requires you to sometimes leave the familiar. It's not that you don't love them. It's not that you don't appreciate what you taught and what you learned. It's just sometimes you have to uh, move to the next level where God wants you to be, and that's hard. It's not always pleasant. It's not always fun, but it really does that. So more than anything else, when I started answering the phone and singing at eight and nine years old, then from there, I've always sang. And, and uh, But in 2003, I left my home church and had to move to a different church, to a different setting. And it put me in a totally different um, arena of people. And so having um, changed that, the arena of people that that I was with and the environment, it wasn't that I didn't love my home church and appreciate it. God said it was time to go. And when God said it was time to go, it was time to go. I didn't, it was a journey of sorts. It's like the children of Israel almost walking in the wilderness, but I knew when God's voice was, I had to move out. And that, that is really one of the key things is being able to hear God's voice and know it. And then being able to stand on your own two feet and trust his voice rather than even man's voice. And that's a hard thing to do. That's very, very difficult. I was raised Pentecostal. So if anybody knows anything about being Pentecostal apostolic, you know that there's strict rules and and guidelines and all of that. But when God is moving you in a different direction, some people don't understand and they don't identify with it or uh, sometimes a lot of times agree with it. I love everybody everywhere. But, you know, when God says move, it's time to move. And so that that's, you know, that's just what I've done. And then that landed me to Switzerland touring twice um, and traveling. That was a, a wonderful experience. And um, people were extremely accepting and uh, very warm and, and greeting to me. And, of course, I had music projects with me, so it, it gave me the opportunity to have my music in uh, other parts of the world. Um, to hear me sing, and so it was a wonderful and very humbling experience, you know, for um, people, black people, to be in a European setting, and they're very much appreciative of the music. Yeah, you. That's what I've. That's what I've heard. That's something I'm. I'm I appreciate you sharing that story for our listeners. I remember uh, Joyce Meyer said when she felt the Lord tell her to leave a church she had been. I don't know, co-pastoring. I forget exactly what her position in the church was. She said, uh, she's like, okay, and she goes to another church, and she said she was led to a job once. She said, you talk about awkward, and it went on for, like, years. She's like, God, what's the next step? This does not feel right. Uh, but then you just wait for the for the next step, the next, the next move to come. But if you don't take that first step, uh, you're not going to get that next step. You're not not getting the whole picture at once. Mm -mm. And that's where it's tough, where you have to take that first step. You might be there for a while, 
and then here comes the next step, and here comes the next step. So, again, congratulations to you. Moving out of a, switching a church, especially if you've been in a church for a long time, is very, very, very difficult. So um, I commend you for for following the, you know, the spirit of the Lord. When and why did you start writing Women of the Fellowship, That those books? What, what inspired you to start uh, writing those books? Well, I wanted something I had never written fiction before. And I've always read a lot of romance fiction myself, but I wanted my own series. I started out writing, of course, poetry, and then from poetry um, to devotionals, inspirationals. And then I wrote a series on Frontline Worshipper, which is for worship leaders, since I've been singing and, and leading worship for so long. And so then Everyday Miracles, which is a, a small group Bible study, 21 lessons. So I'm like, well, I want to try something new. And I hadn't quite, I, I had already ventured into children's books. So I write those two as well. So multiple genres is, you know, just kind of me. I'm going to try something new. I said, God, I want to write a romance fiction, kind of put all my worlds together, church world, librarian, um, you know, just, just all of my love of romance fiction. Can I write my own? But I'm not one of those people who, uh, oh, I can sit and look at a tree and I can just start writing. No, I have to really be inspired. I really have to, you know, have direction or God tell me something specifically. And he did. He said, take your own love story with your husband and embellish it. Make, take your creativity and go for it. So Jillian, of course, is a play on my name, Julia, and then my husband's name is Brian, and then the other, the male lead character in the book is Byron. Now, um, and you know, there are a lot of similarities, but there's tons of differences, so don't think this is our our exact story, but, you know, I don't drive a Mercedes Benz, I don't... <laughs> I don't live in a high rise. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't live in, I used to live in Cincinnati and it's set in Cincinnati primarily because that's one of my favorite cities. And so I, but I was able to say, what would I want? Okay. So Jillian doesn't cook. Jillian doesn't clean. Jillian, Jillian doesn't. So I'm like, yes, I'm going to do all my worlds, you know? And so, you know, and most of my characters, even if they start out, um, not having any money, they're going to have money. I, You know, I, I want everybody to be who they're supposed to be with at the end, and I don't like those open endings, unless God tells me I need an open ending. But that's kind of how I started with the uh, – it took me a while to get to uh, to finish that one because fiction takes a lot longer to do than nonfiction. You know, 12 steps to do something or 10 steps to do that or 30 devotionals are pretty straightforward. But fiction takes a little bit longer to do and a lot longer to do. So that was kind of my initial inspiration for it. So Irma, so the inspiration behind the book Irma, what what is and, – and, and some of your book covers are so well done. What is the inspiration behind your first book you wrote uh, in the series okay. was kind of marrying your own marriage with your husband – um, right. The, so the book Irma, uh, what did what did it inspire, introduce us to some of the characters in Irma, and where where did the inspiration? Is that the first book in the series, by the way, Irma? Uh, the first book, the first book in the series is Jillian, and book two in the series is Vernice, which is Jillian's best friend, and then um, um, Jill, Jillian, of course, 
her uh, um, her boyfriend or the person who who is her romantic interest is Byron, and then in uh, the Vernice. Her romantic interest is Myron, which is Byron's twin brother. My husband is a twin, so he has a twin oh. brother. And so, yeah. Um, so in this in this series, Myron and Byron are identical, but they're different colors. One's darker and one's lighter, but they're identical. It's it's a medical something I made up a medical <laughs> a medical miracle <laughs> that they could be identical but be different shades. I love it. I was like, yes, I love the creative process. But Vernice <laughs> is basically Jillian's best friend. They're all and I've done this coordinated conferences around the country. So that's or been on staff to coordinate conferences around the country. So I've done that. So that's basically the relationship between Jillian Vernice and then Miss Irma is like been the coordinator. Uh, for years, and she's like turning it over to Jillian and Vernice, who are like her mentees and the person people are on our team. Now, Vernice just comes out of uh, well, set in another favorite city of mine in Chicago, and so she is just like Jillian's best friend, looking for love. Now, love is the the theme through it all. Jillian's single with no kids. Vernice has one son, been married and divorced. And so that's just her best friend. She's just like, I'm a plain Jane. You know, my husband really didn't respect me or whatever and hadn't been in my child's life for a long time either. But, you know, I'm still looking for love. Well, Myron's always loved Vernice, and that's just it. And so that's kind of the name of the game and how they get together. But Miss Irma, on the other hand, is based on an actual a lady that I know. She's one of my spiritual moms in Houston, Texas. And she told me, she called me probably the year before I got married. She has probably children my age, so that's the reason why I call her mom. And she said, she long story short, she was married and her husband uh, passed away and she had three children to raise. And then another gentleman came along wanting to marry her, but she said she really didn't want her kids to have uh, a stepfather. So she left the state of Texas, moved to Oregon, came back to Texas, and he married somebody else. And so she went on with her life 38 years. And then I guess I've been married 11 years. I guess she'll be married 12 years. God told her to go to the mall. And when she goes to the mall, the man she left wow. 30 some years earlier is walking toward her in the mall. His wife had been deceased two years earlier, and then they got married 12 years later. So I said, "All oh, right, this story, yay!" So it's it's wow. uh, based on a, a true story of of love and loss and and love rekindled because she was like, "I just wanted, I just had a thing about the whole stepfather thing. I just didn't want that for my kids, and so I raised them alone and watched the man that I really love marry somebody else, and wow. then his wife got uh, cancer, and then he." God said, go to the mall. And my friend hates the mall. She hates everything about shopping. <laughs> she said, I'm just walking through going, God, I'm not buying nothing because I hate shopping. So I'm like, ooh, I know that was God because, Mom, you hate to go to the mall. That's just like something. So Vernice is probably of the three, if you can believe it, really my favorite because it spans a lot of time and really gives you the backstory of Irma and um, that whole love. And, I, you know, I made that up too, but I really – like the backstory of Irma and how, you know, really 
coming into contact. She's really confident in one area of being an administrator, but lacks confidence in the love department. And you'll find out why in the book, Irma. So really, the Women of the Fellowship series, each book stands on its own, but connected, it's really good. All the loose ends are tied up and um, tied down in Irma. But each book can stand on its own. It's great, great read. But Irma, is she, she's, she also makes an appearance in the two earlier books? Yes. She's always there in one way, shape, or form. She's always so really, like the – right, go ahead. If you really want to get to know her, then I would encourage the readers, to, listeners to get all three books. It, I mean, you can, you said each story stands alone, but to really know Irma thoroughly, maybe get all three books because you can see her as she transforms from book exactly. to book. Exactly. Exactly, yeah, and just, yeah, she really comes to life in, in her own story, and you really get to see that transformational. And I'm really in my mind, um, you know, God just gave me an, an idea to bring all those characters back to life in another setting and add some more characters to it. So uh, the Women of the Fellowship series, that might be over, but um, um, another series may be coming along because it's time for them. I'm all about to... Um, making sure that you uh, transfer that leaving a legacy is really becoming more and more important to me as I'm getting older because I have no children, mm-hmm. so I need to impart some things into some other people who are interested in what I do so that I can leave a legacy of you know my life here on earth. I may not have any biological children, but I want to be able to leave my mark on the world and, and wow. somebody you, else you somewhere else. At- you your vision. Now you see a lot of a lot of people might think I have no children. Oh woe is me! And you're thinking I'll find another way to leave. To oh leave yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You 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 see, <laughs> you you see the opportunities. I had to ask you this, and I think in your answer when you were talking about Irma, it, it it's clear. But why did you decide? I know you base it off of somebody who you know, but even with that. I mean, we've uh, many writers may have heard of people, or known stories, maybe even their own relatives, who met somebody later in their life, and the relationship turned out to be very well. But they don't turn it into a novel for this, this for the reason that most romance novels deal with young people. So I was wanting right. to ask you, why did why did you decide to spotlight an older couple? In a romantic novel, I gotta tell you, when I was researching for your interview and I saw the book cover, which I love the cover of Irma, I'm like, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Most of the most of romance novels are young people. Why did you decide to to put the spotlight on an older couple? Because, well, one thing is, well, first off, the people on the cover are my in-laws. Those are my parents, oh. my uh, husband's parents. So they've been married okay. 50, 50, uh, let's see, 52 years, or 54 years, I'm sorry. They've been married 54 years. So those are his parents that are on the um, the cover. And then, you know, that whole, it's too, uh, because I ask her, the person that Irma is based on, I ask her, so have you ever thought about getting married again? Did anybody ask you about being married again? She goes, oh, no, child, I'm too old for that. And some people think it's too late for me. I'm too old for that. Ooh, and, you know, and, you know, so therefore I really wanted to spotlight somebody who was older, 60s, 
60 plus older, nearly 70, before they found love again and enjoyed love again with, with somebody else. So, and not just, oh, I'll just love my, you know, people say that. Oh, I'll just love my grandchildren. It's not the same kind of love, though. And so, <laughs> so <laughs> therefore, you know, I, I want people to know that it's it's never too late until you're dead. It's never too late mm. till you're gone. It's never too late till you know, as they say, it's not over till God says it's over. And, and mm-hmm. even then, it's not over because you're going to see him in the afterlife. But it's the whole point of it's not too late. Keep your heart open. Mm-hmm. Don't get mean and old and snarly because there's somebody ah. else. I mean, his wife was deceased. It's not like, you know, he was alone too. So it's like, why not love each other? You know, because we've really, you know, um, um, loved each other, you know, a long time. So it didn't take okay. long to rekindle it and, and go for it. So I really okay. wanted, that was something different. You're right. I normally, you don't see older people in romance. Um, novels, but um, that's one. I wanted to make sure it would be out there. Uh, and I hope it gets more and more and more traction because, again, it is most romance novels focus on people in their teenage years, their early 20s, sure. and, and and 30s, and then it, it's over. It stops. Um, so I also want to commend you next on publishing 77 titles, and you told us earlier in the show how you got started publishing other Authors, somebody just came up to you and told you they didn't want to do that legwork. They would pay you to do it for them uh, through BK Royston Publishing. Can you tell us, our listeners who are interested themselves, whether they would reach out to you or another publisher just so they know what to look for? And maybe today I know in the book publishing industry there are a lot of scams to help people to avoid being taken advantage of. Can you just tell us briefly what is the process of finding and working for you, your end, working with a writer like, and what would you advise a writer to look for in a publisher? Well, the, one of the things, too, is that now my company does, I'll just put that out, it goes from idea to to the book itself. So we, you know, if you don't know what to write about, we take the, get the ideas out of your head and put it down on paper and then make your idea and your actual manuscript come to life. So we do from beginning to end. One of the main things that that I was looking for was, and one of the main reasons why I went with someone else and then established I can do that is because they didn't do anything. I did everything. So that was one of the first things is basically if they can either help you do it better or if there's something that you can do on your own, um, then, you know, you you need a publisher for certain things, but some things you don't need a publisher for. So what you're looking for from a publisher is somebody with experience, with knowledge, who can really help you navigate the waters through that process. You need somebody who believes in you and believes in the process. You really need a publisher who's written books. Make sure that they have actually gone through the writing process, that they've actually put out a book that you can see that has their name on it or someone affiliated with them. Check with their, um, the other authors that are signed with them. They should be public. They should have an email address that you can reach out to and contact. Um, testimonials are good on a website, but you can contact them and get referrals. And I would do that same thing. The other thing, one thing that is standard with BK Royston Publishing is a uh, non-disclosure agreement. 
which basically protects your idea and protects your book until we're ready to make it public. So that one person asked me about that, and now it's standard. Um, I, you know, I'm like, I'm trustworthy, but people need some type of guarantee that their idea won't be heard somewhere else or it won't be seen somewhere else. And um, they trusted somebody with their idea, and then, oops, it was taken and stolen. So that's standard for me. The other thing, too, is being able to um, connect with the person, whether through text message, email. Mm. Some people have to send an email out, and it just kind of goes into never-never land. Now, we are human, and mistakes do happen, um, but being willing and being able to correct those mistakes quickly and easily. Now, on my being on the publisher end, sometimes I have authors who seek to take advantage of me. So I have to be on. Um, I have to be careful as well because, for example, um, people say, "Oh, my book is fifty pages long," and if I quoted you a price based on what you said uh, when you actually submitted the manuscript, and that's the reason why I don't um, do any kind of cross quotes unless I see it. So that's the reason why you get the non-disclosure statement so you can be comfortable to send me the manuscript first and then I send you a quote. Because I've had people say their uh, manuscript was 50 pages long, and as anybody knows anything about publishing, the book cover, the printing cost, the editing and all that is based on either pages or words or however you do it. Well, if you tell me you're sending me a 50-page manuscript, to edit and to uh, format and everything. That's totally different than if you send me a 100-page manuscript. My word is my bond, so what I put in print. Now, you said it was that amount of money, and then when you send it to me, it's something else. And then, therefore, I'm in business, and I'm taking advantage of. So, therefore, I say, you know, as much as I would love to give you a ballpark figure, I can't give you a final in print, black and white, contract for us to sign until I actually see it. Because I've been taken advantage of. They said it was 50 pages and it comes out 150. And then I am hung by what I said and they took advantage of me. Um, you know, so I have to be on guard as much as they're on guard. And, you're, and, you know, everybody is not always in integrity and on the up and up. Um, so, you know, really making sure that um, you are able to keep the rights of your book um, and, and you don't, if somebody is saying they're going to purchase your manuscript and, and they actually give you a check for it, realize, especially those who say, I want a traditional publisher. I don't feel like I should pay any parts of getting my book published. Well, you're going to pay. You may pay later, but you're going to pay. So there's one, you, with a traditional publishing situation, you may not be paying up front, but you're going to pay on the back end. So there's nothing free. There is a reason why they were able to give you that amount of money and pay you that way. You're going to pay one yeah, way, take, shape, or form. Yeah, when the sales come back and um, and you don't, your your royalties are so small. You like, okay, they, I'm only getting six percent. That's where you're starting to pay. And you, you know, that's a good point yeah. you brought out because. You often you don't want to get taken advantage of. There are people who get involved in book publishing and in music just to make money, and they make these just awful contracts with people preying on their dreams, knowing that the person at the end of the day would be lucky to break even, no matter how hard they work. But uh, 
you you do in book publishing. You want to be smart, but you're either going to pay up front, but make sure you're not getting taken advantage of. So you want to do your homework, or you're gonna it's going to come out when they, you start getting your royalties, and you say I sold a book that cost fifteen dollars. Why did I only get a dollar and fifty cent? And so that's exactly. where you're going to be paying paying for that on on the back end. Really appreciate you sharing those tips with us, Julia. I wanted to ask for our listeners who are some are very serious about growing their book book careers. Uh, so you you we we share tips on what to look for in a publisher, what you look for in a writer. Um, what are some some so we get the book published, and there are so many self years ago. You had to go through a major publisher. You really weren't. Right. Your book wasn't getting out there. Then they came out with midstream. Your midstream smaller publishers started getting involved in the market. Then self-publishing, but self-publishing really took off with the internet. So I want to say right around maybe ten years ago, there are so many books out here now. It is it is amazing. I don't even know how readers keep up. So as after you get your book published, that's one thing. Good, yay! Now you got to sell it. You got it. That's the now hard you part. have to sell that book. So, can you share five, which from your experience, what you've seen work for other writers, what's worked for you? What are five specific actions that writers can take to fast track their book sales? Fast track their book sales. Well, first off, you need to be out there. You need to be um, engaging. You need to be. I'm I really caution. Uh, authors that social media is no longer an option. It, it mm-hmm. so when you come to me and you say, um, no, I don't really deal with email. Um, uh, well, what social media platform are you on? Well, no, I I have Facebook, but I don't chase check. I don't check it that much. Um, I well, no, I don't. I don't. I'm really not on the internet that much at all. Then I that goes up red flags with me. I don't care what the topic is. I don't care what the genre is of the book itself. If you're not an active participant in uh, the social media world, connecting with people, because people buy books. And even if you are, um, so that's one thing. You've got to be out there in the world, period. You know, um, that, that thing of going to work and coming home and all that, it just will not fly in the book business. It can no longer do that. You have to pick one. Even if you're not on all the social media outlets, just pick one. If you're going to be on Facebook, then be active on Facebook every day. Be um, be engaged. Put good morning, hi. Put a, a, a video, something. Every day you should be active and because people need to know that you exist. They got to have some type of engagement with you. So that's helping you build a platform, and that's helping you build somebody who even is connected with you at all, a friends list, people who are following you, people who are connected with you at all, because you need people. That's one of the biggest things. you got to have people. Mm-hmm. Before you know you're going to do a book, before you even say you're writing it, you still need to build relationships. So social media is one of the fastest ways to do that for getting engagement from people all over the country. And then you need to build relationships. That's almost number one, even before the book is done. And then secondly, write a book that people actually want to read or be considered an expert in that book that you're wanting to write. Because a lot of times people are, you know, 
they don't even have a connection with you and anything, let alone writing. So if you do things with social justice, if you're involved in children and you teach or, you know, writing a children's book could be an easy segue and an easy flow because people can help support you on that. And then um, number three is um, making sure that, you know, that the people surrounding you really, you know, you can bounce those ideas off of them. Yeah. You know, to mm-hmm. say, so if I wrote a book on, would you buy it? After some time, make sure that you're liking their happy anniversary and saying congratulations mm-hmm. when they get a new job and happy this for your your baby. Don't have to mention anything about a book. This is this is cheap for promotion number one. But then when they uh, friend requests and Look at the background of them. Don't have you don't have to necessarily friend every crazy person who who um, sends you a request, but look at them. Look at the profile and determine whether you want to be connected to them and what they stand for or not. You can always say no. You don't have to accept every friend request that comes out. So and then just ask. See if people would buy that. And you know I've I've learned that over the ten years that okay, well maybe they'll be able to sell it, but it's very difficult. Some categories, uh, some genres are harder to sell than others. And you really need to, even though you may have a passion for it, it just people may not be interested in it. So, I mean, that's after 10 years, really some things that, that I've really learned and picked up on. I, I appreciate and, uh, you sharing that. Oh, go ahead. One of the uh, other things that I really must mention is that just because you like a cover, doesn't necessarily mean that other people will be attracted to that cover. Make sure that the cover makes sense and what you're trying to convey. So I advise my authors, I usually give them two to three choices, put it out there on your social media and let them help you choose which one. And does that make sense? It can be, uh, it can be a hard pill to take when you have a book cover that people don't understand what it means. So it's easier to, you know, uh, replace a hundred or two hundred dollar cover than to buy five hundred prints of a book and nobody will buy it. And all you had to do was change the cover, you know. Uh, so be careful with the whole cover thing. Really, really be careful of that because that's the face of your book. That's what people see before they flip it to the back and see the back of it. And when an ebook, that's all you get to see. You get the inside, yeah. but that's basically all you're, you're, you're basing it on is the topic and the front cover. So make sure that it's attractive and, uh, and, and jumping out at you think, ooh, I like the way that looks. And it says romance on the cover. Jillian, Bernice, and Irma all say romantic fiction. That's what they say. And that's the reason why I had photo shoots as opposed to using stock images went that extra mile and had married couples on the cover who actually love and are married to each other. So it makes a difference. I was willing to invest. I'm sorry? Mm -hmm. It comes across. That cover on Irma, it really is is very impactful. It comes across. uh, uh, It really does come across. Is there one form, you said social media, is one form of social media like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, there are so many more effective at selling books than another. Um, it just all depends on your audience. Uh, Pinterest is women. 
Twitter is men. Facebook is men and women. Instagram is younger ah. people, women. Um, so you have to look at the demographic for that. But um, one is not better than the other. It's just having a following, and does your audience hang out there? You've got to determine whether they stay there, whether they're there. Very, so you, very good you, advice. Got to I know some people, who've done, some people have done very well on Pinterest, extremely well. And some people, have, have, again, for me, Facebook, I get more leverage. No, no, no. I would say number one, Twitter, then Facebook. But uh, every you have to explore it to see. And then YouTube, there are people who have taken off on YouTube. Oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one, which, which one works better for you? We have less than five minutes, and I want to talk about your CD, Begin Again. Uh, can you share us what that process of creating a CD uh, was like, and what inspired Begin Again? Um, basically, uh, in 2015, um, I had my gorter removed off my neck. Um, it was the size of an orange. Uh, and altogether, my uh, surgeon said I had six to eight inches removed from my neck tumor on my neck. So, um, yeah, that was a major, 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 major process. So the, um, Begin Again was basically starting all over. I had to learn. I took a month off from school teaching um, because I had to, you know, reheal my my voice. And, um, you know, my um, range has lowered just a little bit. Not a lot, but just a little bit. And so I just had to really start all over again. My process for singing is totally different. Um, wow. You know, preparing to sing anyway is totally different. Um, and, and how that looks and, uh, you know, just really what that feels like. It's like I have to eat before I sing. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I have to do now differently than I did before. But it's worth it. So I was able to record even though, you know, I've, I, my sister had cancer. Hers was cancerous. So, you know, it was just that that was kind of a, a, a traumatic experience for me and had taken me a long time. And I had resisted. But I realized that, okay, it was a matter of my health. And um, so that I, I went for it and actually did it. So that is kind of the background for that. Um, and, you know, I have always uh, been a singer, and God has blessed me to be able to write. He gives me the whole song. He sings it directly in my head. So I wow. may have the liberty to do a second verse or whatever, but um, that's, that's basically what he does. So I'm I'm blessed like that. I you know I don't take it for granted uh, about how God uh, he really does. <laughs> He's a miracle working uh, um, God like that, and that's just it. Is bottom that, line. You know, I'm glad I asked you that because I'm thinking begin again. It's something you're almost saying to to listeners. Not that it was a personal experience you had begin again and what a what a wonderful amazing title where can off the shelf listeners get copies of your books and your cd begin again julia everything is on amazon everything is on amazon so just go to amazon.com you can order everything there just put in julia royston bk royston publishing or just julia a royston and all of my music is there um, and everything is there, or you can go to my author 
um, central page, which is um, my shortened URL for it is bit.ly forward slash Julia Royston on Amazon. And you can get everything there. So everything is available there. And tell us where you are on social media. We talked about social media. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? I am everywhere. I'm on Facebook (laughs) as Julia A. Royston, BK Royston Publishing. I'm on LinkedIn as Julia A. Royston. I am on Instagram as Juju Royston and BK Royston Publishing. I am on Periscope as Julia A.K. Royston. I am on Twitter as J. Royston Worship or Julia A.K. Royston or BKR Publishing. So I am everywhere you want to be. The biggest way and the easiest way to get to me is to go to uh, Uncle Google and put in Julia A. Royston and look for the black one because there are some some white ones over, Caucasian ones overseas. (laughs) But look for me (laughs) online, um, Julia A. Royston, and um, I'm everywhere you want to be. I think my MySpace account might still be open. Good for you. We we have been we have truly enjoyed Julia Royston this morning, off the shelf listeners. She is again an author, wife, teacher, motivational speaker, minister, and singer, and she's also authored several books, including publishing more than seventy seven books. She's written are Frontline Worshipper, Twenty One Days to More Sales for Authors, and Why, and With My Own Hands. And she also is the singer of Beginning, and that's her latest CD, and she, she loves to sing. She really was a joy to have here with us this morning. Please visit her online at HTTPS with the two forward slashes, net, J-U-L-I-A-R-O-Y-S-T-O-N.net, and go out and get one of her books. I love the cover of Irma. Go, I encourage you to support her. And uh, she also owns her own publishing company with her husband, B.K. Royston Publishing Company, and that's where they put out more than 77 titles. So kudos to them. We want to thank Julia for her time and for being here with us on Off the Shelf this morning, and thank each of you, our listeners, for joining us on Off the Shelf. See you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Remember to set your calendars and tell somebody to tune in to Off the Shelf Radio Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City time. That's easier if you're dialing in from out of the country. Uh, Thank you again to Julia. Remember, you are amazing. You're awesome. You're incredible. Go create a fabulous day for yourself. See you here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Bye for now, and Julia will shoot you an email. Thank you. Thank you.